In our 20s, there are lots of adulting questions and crises that we come across on a daily basis. It means you're constantly looking for new opportunities. Taking care of your mental health and life balance means you're questioning things like, do I really enjoy being an adult? Does it matter where I live? Am I happy? Is money that important? I'm Bao. I'm Mai. And in this new season, we'll share our thoughts and experiences through our journey to our late 20s. More special guests, more deep conversations. Welcome to the M22 Podcast Season 2. Hello, Chinese fam. Welcome back to the 22 Podcast. And we're here today with a very, very special guest and our dear friend, Miriam Bulos. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, from Lebanon. So today our topic is going to surround like women in the music industry because we are three women in the studio today, as well as some of the other facets of Muren's life and career thus far. So would you please say hi to our lovely audience and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Miriam. As I already said, I'm here at Berkeley continuing my studies in music business. And I come originally from Beirut, Lebanon. And I'm looking for a new opportunity in the music sector at the moment in my life. <laughs> Just for your information. Yes, if yeah. you want to contact me by the end of this podcast, if you think I'm an intellectual. <laughs> yeah, she's she's also like a really amazing photographer. And, you know, maybe like later we can sprinkle different parts about you. She made you. the pictures for our first season, though. Right. I was the official photographer of this podcast for their first season. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. So I guess like, at this point, when this episode will be released, we've already been done with school. So we've graduated, we've walked the stage, uh -huh. finished our thesis. Could you tell the audience, I mean, we, me and Val know what you've been working on this past year, but the audience doesn't know your project. So what was it about and how did you decide on that topic? Yeah, so for the past year, I've been working on a couple of different things including, you know, expanding my portfolio and concert photography, which I'm very passionate about. But more specifically, I've been leading and writing a case study on Taylor Swift's career. And actually, when whenever I break the news to someone and say it the way I just said it, they look at me like, huh, what, why? But there are many reasons why. And the project is not only showing how an artist went from A to Z, but it dives a little deeper than that. And it dissects different areas of an artist such as Taylor's, you know, such as Taylor's level, on Taylor's level, different facets of her business, of her branding strategies, of her evolution as an artist, of the A&R strategies she's so well established and used. And so it's a case study that really showcases how other artists could get inspired by these little, you know, strategies and management techniques that she's been using all along. And it also kind of redefines what it means to be a blockbuster today and what it means to be an indie artist today, because she's kind of either of those. She's kind of redrawing something in between. And if you want to learn more about that, you can read the case study. Yeah, reach out to Miriam, you know. So I guess like how did you, I mean, you're a Taylor fan, but what was your first in interaction with her? Like how did you discover her music and going even further back, 
what was your start in the industry? How did you know that music was your passion and that you wanted to do something related to music? Okay, two very different questions yeah. here. <laughs> uh, but, but I'll start with, with Taylor's. Um, so to be quite transparent, I never liked Taylor Swift growing up. I was a Lady Gaga teenager, kind of fangirl. She was never the type of artist I related to or looked up to whatsoever growing up or in, in my teenage years. So it just came around when right before lockdown, at the very end of 2019, around the beginning of 2020, uh, she had dropped her documentary Miss Americana. And so watching that documentary completely twisted my perspective on who she is and on her art. And I started digging deeper than the surface and deeper than all the magazines I had read about her and her career and the way she was portrayed by the media. And when I dug deeper than what the media had taught me to consume about her, I really understood her art and um, that really resonated with me at this place in my life at this point in my life with a very specific song that I might not reveal um <laughs> no, we're all but, curious now <laughs> but yeah she was there at a very specific point in my life and she had really helped me go through something that was hard for me to go through and it's always important to scratch the surface mm. of anything and be curious and go beyond the media articles I'd say and for the second question, which was, what was it again? Can you remind me? It was like, how did you, you know, get your start in music? Like, why did you know you wanted to do this? I've always had a huge passion for pop culture and pop music. I never shut up about pop stars. Anyone who knows me from <laughs> high school knows that. And I never really thought I'd take it further than a passion until I went to Denmark, where I had my own radio show at 19. And the radio show was technically about pop music, new pop hits and Danish pop stars who actually came on the show. And it really drew the line of my passion and my professional life because I suddenly felt that my passion was actually what I could turn into a profession or something further than that. And that's where it clicked. It was an aha moment like, wow, I really would like to stay in that industry and do the most out of my passion in, in pop music more, more specifically, I'd say. I didn't know you had a show in Denmark. Yes, I did. I did. I went on an exchange program back then for around seven months. And I really had this, it was a random opportunity that was given to me at the University of Denmark uh, with their uni radio, I'd say. That was also what it was called, uni radio. In. And it, it was a great, great segue and shift in my perspective of things so i'm grateful so now that uh, we just graduated from berkeley um what do you feel like you want to focus now after doing this case study and like what what are the things that are coming next for you that's a really good question <laughs> i'd say i'm really unsure at this point it's a very how do i put that you know when you're graduating and so many things are coming to an end and you don't know on what to focus because it's a transitory phase of your life and you're torn between staying here going home applying for 10 jobs every day in 10 different sectors of the music industry because who knows and you're still trying to figure out 
everything you've learned over the year and figuring out what you like and what you don't like. I think it's at this point when I'm asked this question, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm still unsure about what's next for me. But let's see how this goes. But I think we can definitely see what are your passions at this point and what you were like yeah. kind of seek for the future. I mean, there is nothing wrong. We, I think we all have this question mark in our faces right now and there's nothing wrong about it. But at least knowing a little bit more deep the music industry, I think we have a better clear vision of what we would like to do, yes. you know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, thinking about it that way, I absolutely see myself working in the live music industry. And in parallel, I'm super into the ANR world and trying to work closely with artists mm -hmm. and understanding their vision and kind of supporting them on their journey. I totally see myself doing that. I've It, it has been a vision since a very young age as well. I've always wanted to do that. But having been at Berkeley and taken those A&R classes and learned from, you know, the grand people like Pete Dyson, it even drew me closer to that. And you kind of understand what, where your positive points are and if you're equipped for that job. And I really think I do have a talent in the A&R world. So... I know the live sector and the A&R world are, are two different, totally different things in two different directions, but this is something I've learned about me for the past year. I, I'm passionate about both, so that's what I'm seeking into more. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I agree with you. Like Berkeley taught me a lot of things about the industry that I didn't know about, like different jobs, especially the A&R one. I learned about it because there was this class at Berkeley and people started telling me, what it is that they do and it's not like i didn't know you know the the facets of the a&r job is like scouting for talent searching and you know figuring out if they're fit to sign or developing but it's just like i never knew how to put a name to it until i came here so i think definitely the education part taught me a lot and you know you're right like there are different facets to you and different things that you're interested in yeah. and you can't just really limit it to one thing yeah for now because we're all very young we're in our 20s and i'm sure like our listeners are also in their 20s and trying to find that one job yeah. and one thing but it's true like you just have to apply for the 10 jobs every day each in a different sector just talk to people and at this stage expose yourself to as many experiences as possible yeah absolutely yeah. and to as many people as possible so i'm curious to know like if now if we talk about the women in the music industry now that you mentioned taylor swift Who are other women that inspire you to be in this industry? Only Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's a brilliant question, actually. Um, Taylor Swift primarily, I would say, obviously. Let me think about that for a quick second. But actually, there are so many other women in the industry that inspire me. Most of them are artists because that was my first um, touch point with the industry in general. So I would say Halsey, I would say Fletcher, Gertie, because these are people who have broken women, not people, but like women primarily, who have broken stereotypes and changed the games and challenged the norms over and over again. Okay, so about challenging the norms, what is the thing that we as women in the music industry should do to twist it a little bit more? You know, like there's always things that can be better 
in no matter in which sector because we know that we have the live sector we know we have the artists we know we have managers and stuff what are some things that you envision that would that could be like better somehow and that we can inspire or have an impact on it so also fun fact i've been leading these uh panels at berkeley also for the past year so i've done two one on on lgbtq plus representation in the music industry and one on bringing more women to the industry and that's a really good question val because um today only six percent of women make up the live music industry which is really really low and i think as simple as this sounds you know you you ask like how can we you know challenge the norms or like bring in a new perspective i think as simple as this sounds we need more people to put women and non-binary and all minorities if you want and people who are not at the forefront at this point to take leading positions and to be put in those you know upper positions in the industry that's literally what we need we need more women tour managers we need more women label directors we need more women ceos we need more women in charge and when i say women i mean um non-binary um i mean you know all the spectrum of what comes with a woman so oh okay <laughs> uh, well i mean that that i think is true and also not just women but like different cultures represented i think for for me that's a big part it's like being you know women but also seeing people who look like me yeah and yeah. Uh, you know who's who look like me will have a perspective of the music industry like me and i think the industry is going to be so much better if all these people are represented but that definitely will take a lot of time to break a lot of these structures these hierarchies and yeah, yeah the music industry is a really tough cookie to kind of crack sometimes yes because it's been male dominated for so long and people are you know so used to the way it is i think things should definitely change i'm curious like you know for a lot of our, our audience they don't really know what the music industry is like from your part of the world so would you mind sharing like you know what is it like to to work there what's the culture like what people like to listen to and especially for you know for talent that's looking at different markets and opportunities right now what are some things that your region is focusing on and is really needing the talent for mm -hmm. Well, I definitely was born and raised in Lebanon, but I have not really dug into the music industry or the music scene there. So, yes, I was a radio host actually in Beirut for half a year, and it really got me more into contact with the scene, but not too much because it ended quickly. But I'd say at the moment, Lebanon is going a uh, really difficult times. Uh, financially economically politically so the major focus is really not on culture or arts or, or the music unfortunately and that's also why partly i'm not super eager to go back to lebanon and this is not my primary goal even though i'd like to work in the industry at a certain point but not at the beginning of my career but Yeah, to give a, a quick overview of the Lebanese scene, I would say there are Lebanon is super diverse and it has different bubbles and different cultures. Like I have not seen that anywhere else, really. It's quite fascinating, but also chaotic. 
I feel like half the population listens to a lot of Lebanese, you know, Oriental, and other bubbles listen to all types of music genres that are imported, I would say, uh, import music. So it's really a kaleidoscope of different music genres and tastes and mm, bubbles, mm -hmm. uh, bubbles of, of people and bubbles of values. So yeah, that's what I would, uh, yeah. how I would wrap it up. How can we empower more women like in any country to get into the industry, you know, because, well, when when I was little, I remember my parents were like not really sure about supporting me being into the music industry at first. Mm -hmm. And then they realized after they're starting to know it, that it was fine, you know. So how can we empower new people to get enrolled? We now nowadays we see more women in the studios as engineers, which is very nice. Some of the sectors are less populated by women than others. but. What do you think would be like a good practice to empower more women to, into it? These are all such hard questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, how, do we, how do we? They are totally hard questions because I feel like everyone is trying to figure them out. Everyone who cares is trying just like, to figure it, it, them out. Yeah, like it's But, just for us to reflect on it in a way that it also uh, resonates with our philosophy. You know? So, yeah, totally. Of course, we're not gonna have these answers uh, at all. Yeah, fully forged yeah. answers for but, sure. But, but what it's can nice we to do? Reflect on uh, yeah. It. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult one still. Even if I'm reflecting on it, I would say yeah. it's just supporting yeah. other girls who are passionate or interested in the mm -hmm. sector, and not just like turning their dreams down and being like, "Oh no, that's not one. That's not lucrative. That's not where you belong. The music industry is dangerous. It's full of men who take advantage of women." That's what I've heard about yeah. the music industry my whole life. And my mother never wanted me to be part of the music industry. And I feel like until this day, she's kind of, you know, skeptical about where I'm going. Yeah. And so maybe the first step is just deconstructing the myth uh, behind that. And also letting girls from a young age experiment with their passions and what they're interested in and letting them do that, you yeah. know, giving them the space to do that. But also, I think like you've been working with in creating these panels, uh, these spaces for people to get more involved. So I would say that also like having these open spaces and like having people that is interested in having the ability to know when these spaces are going to be happening and yeah. just to learn more about the industry. It also starts from that because, you know, we can have an idea of what we want to do, but how are we going to keep it up or how are we going to yeah. take it to the next level? Yeah. So it's also there is an educational factor, I think about if you're really interested in something be curious about it yeah totally totally and education plays such an important part of that as you said Val I totally agree I don't think without education I'd be even able to position myself as part of the music industry yeah. since I've grown up in a country like Lebanon where the emphasis is never on arts and culture in yeah. our culture <laughs> um, unfortunately so taking the route of oh I want to study that Yeah. to be an expert in it and then dive deeper into it i think that's it's such a an excellent way to empower quote yeah. unquote girls and women and anyone who wants to you know cut through and accelerate their their careers in in the music industry or in any other industry i think education is an extremely important i mean i, I think i agree with that but then that also brings up The issue of lack of, you know, education or a lack of resources in some mm -hmm. of the countries or yeah. the spaces they're coming from, for example, in 
Southeast Asia. I don't think that is an emphasis either. The emphasis is really on, you know, careers that make money, careers、yep. that are lucrative, and careers that have been proven to like to to work or like there's a certain path to it. So I I know when I was growing up, my, the entire country there's one a music academy. That was it to the the choices that I had or. There was one dance school, and I mean, it was a great school, but it's not like you have that many choices in terms of teachers, and there are really limited number of scholarships to go to other countries, and you really had to prove yourself and be like excellent to in order to get these positions. But that I don't think that should be the only thing that stops people from learning. You know, there there are people that are excellent, but then everybody deserves to have a cultural foundation that is music that is. The world knowledge that we have, so I definitely think that you know there should be more focus on just giving general access to education, making it not so expensive.、Mm-hmm. Like for me, piano, I was really lucky growing up that you know I got access to the piano and I did pretty well with it to keep on going. But there are other more affordable ways to have access to music, to learn music, and I think that should definitely be something that is a Part of any culture moving forward is preserving culture through history, but also through like all these musical knowledge that、yeah. all of our rich culture has. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one.、Um, it's important to have the resources, but it's also important to create those opportunities when the resources are not really there.、Mm-hmm. So now diving a little bit deeper into your case study, because I would like to know some of the main takeaways, and I need to go back to this because you know, like in here, us three girls are trying to get tickets in Europe to see her. We're all fans around here, and of course, there's a lot of things that, like on a daily basis, I also look in social media, and I'm like, oh, this really works for certain type of artists. This was probably not the best, you know. Like we all have our opinions about her strategies, the objectives of her campaigns. How she is being like being controversial somehow and still re-recording all the albums and like this definitely has a powerful statement to the industry nowadays in terms of education, in terms of how the industry is moving, in terms of contracts and all that stuff. So, what are some of the takeaways or like the main things that surprised you while you were doing this case study? Yeah, let's go back to the case study with pleasure. So. Some takeaways from the case study. It's so hard to pinpoint takeaways when you're you're working on such a big project,、yeah. right? But things that have surprised surprised me. Maybe not a takeaway, but honestly, what surprised me is seeing another facet of Taylor Swift as a businesswoman and not only as Taylor Swift the brand or Taylor Swift the artist. She's a whole lot. Oh, can I say that? <laughs> 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 Too late. Sorry, she's a whole、mm, businesswoman, y'all. She has twelve companies that she manages super well. Five of which are music related, seven are investment related. This is a facet that she doesn't bring to the surface, but that the me- media doesn't portray her as that、yeah. either. But that was super surprising t- for me to see. And another well takeaway, I would say. Um, is how paradoxical she is as a figure and as an artist、yeah. in all her decision making. Whether it's you know the whole controversy around her albums and re-recording those albums, that's a paradox in itself because you know re-recording those albums that were quote unquote stolen from her or 
that she does not own as an artist is also making her own previous art devaluated yeah would you want to do that would yeah. you want to devalue your art you see like the this decision in itself well it needs a lot of guts to 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 do it and yeah. to go on saying i'm gonna re-record every single album and not knowing what the outcome would be yeah. while also devaluating your older art and while working on new music because at the same As time what? you can just not rely on your back catalog that exactly. you have to still keep reinventing yourself in other genres like nowadays you can stick to one thing true so you're you're putting value on a new body of art but you're also devaluating your own art and that alone is a paradox or even the way she you know was part of this whole live nation debate yeah. where today there's a taylor swift bill um literally that is pushing for more transparency in the live ticketing music sector um, and i find this fascinating because she is still part of those structures and she is still part of you know the whole hierarchy and the way live nation and Ticketmaster operate where while still like pushing the boundaries of their strategies and their norms and their rules yeah. so yeah that's another takeaway and i would even say uh, for any new artists or artists listening to actually take this with them be paradoxical in your careers you don't always have to choose one way to do things or one path or the right choice that your manager will you know push upon you like be paradoxical because it worked for her i think it could work for it, anyone yeah, it's else part of like reinventing yourself and and stuff like that but i also think like taylor's speeches usually have like this um statement of like how by just being a woman you need to push your career a little bit more and make it more out of a business and get it to a certain level that usually man doesn't need in order to be recognized so you know we see this lately with a lot of like um pop artists you know selena gomez has a rare beauty rihanna has fenty and then now taylor swift has a lot of companies we also analyze like dua lipa's yeah. companies true and it is a quite smart structure you know and, and that's why i think that nowadays we feel like we need to do everything like you don't you can't only be an artist like are you investing are you having another business are you marketing your artistic dna in other ways you know so that's part of like also uh the boundaries that you were saying mm -hmm. that we have to do it because that's how we're going to position ourselves as yeah. a woman somehow yeah. whether it's as an artist but i think in a, being an artist it's a little bit more pressure i think because your your life is so public that you have to prove to everyone even though that's completely not true yeah something all the time right. you know yeah exactly and well this point of reinvention is definitely very prominent with women in the music industry and you know female artists who always have to push it a little too far or you know reinvent themselves to be respected or yeah. to to have the same traction while if you actually see male artists well they do they reinvent themselves i don't think so they like their physique stays the same yeah. i mean they might play here and there on the album's visual but they're not reinventing a whole era a whole chapter for themselves the way female artists do if you put them into perspective yeah totally and um I wanted to say something and now I forgot, but 
<laughs> but if we keep it a little bit into the same line just by being a woman and the body shaming that surrounds mm -hmm. like you know the standard beauties that also involve mm -hmm. being an artist and like the pressure because you also mentioned Miss Americana and it did came back to me also like Selena Gomez like documentary which I'm sure you also saw it all this mental health like it's so important yeah. but as women having this pressure of pushing boundaries a little more yes taking the business to another place uh -huh. How do you think or how, what's your opinion on that of, of how the pressure, like just the pressure that as a woman we have on the industry, you know? Yeah, definitely. There's, well, there are different types of pressure, I would say, pressures or whatever. Whether it's the way people talk about you, one, or the media talks about yeah. you or writes about you, that's one. There's also the expectations from different managers or management that you're under that's different if you're a man or a woman yeah. doing it. And there's also your own mind that's messing with you. And you have to really juggle between all of that. And I think that's, that's simply a lot. And well, as Taylor once said, There are pressures from, yeah, exactly how people talk about you. And I quote her and she says, a man does something, it's strategic. A woman does the same, it's calculated. A man is allowed to react, a woman can only overreact. Mm -hmm. And these are phrases and words that were used against her or, you know, in the media, like, oh, she's overreacting yeah. while a man is not, you know, yeah. and stuff like that, that's, That's really minor and detailed, but that has an impact on you as an artist and as a creative, really. So, yeah, I think from here on, things are slowly changing. But still, I think we, have, we still have a lot to do and a, a long way to go. And another point I wanted to bring in um, that I also took away from the case study I've been writing about such a successful woman who's very unique in her craft. Um, and you brought Selena to the table and Dua Lipa, who are also great artists that I really admire and am a fan of. But what Taylor is doing differently than any other artist or woman artist or whatever at her caliber is that she's really focusing and she's focused first and foremost on her craft, which is songwriting. Yeah. And she has never really shifted away her focus from that from day one until today. If you go back and see, well, she's on a blockbuster level, but on a blockbuster level that's not investing in makeup campaigns yeah. or um, like clothing lines or you know, different areas of, of different businesses. She's super focused on her songwriting, yeah. first and foremost. It's what really guides her through it all. And I really respect her for that. I think this is what, what really makes her stand out as an artist of, with a vision at the core. Yeah, it's like the core activity for her songwriting. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. why like she's the artist position where she is and the tour is also position how it is, you know, because of yeah. course, I think nowadays if we, I, would, I don't want to compare it honestly, but if we, if we see any other artist that it's not putting songwriting as her core activity, might actually the business might be in another place you yeah. know like and, and there's nothing wrong in that but no, again not. as women we have to find Other ways you know yeah absolutely not yeah no my point is not saying that it's wrong or right all i'm saying is that you start noticing stuff like that and what makes taylor swift who she is today yeah 
in comparison uh, to others. And this point really stands out with her. And I also believe that this is this is what also makes her back catalog so valuable. Yeah, it enhances this cultural factor, I believe. But yeah, I remember also that when we uh, had Yvette for her residency, she was mentioning about how the way she worked with new artists or young artists has made them have like a um how do you say like uh the skin like you know like you develop like yeah. strength like strong skin yeah. so anything that goes against you you as an artist decide whether or as a person even though whether it's gonna affect you into which level or not and i think taylor knows like exactly maybe when she was younger because i think when you're younger it's always more to listen to comments and opinions and like you need to develop this hard skin yeah. in order to to be able to listen and ignore And I think I think she's like one of the best examples I've I've heard or I've seen in that way because yeah. everyone's always talking, but again, there's always a new album, there's always another tour, there's always something else, and yeah. it doesn't stop. Exactly, and something else that goes beyond all the chit chat, beyond all the simplicity of of you know the media's portrayals or what people are talking about. She yeah. goes out and writes and makes art out of it yeah. and that that is a standout for mm -hmm. sure we were still talking about taylor and the way she's uh, a songwriter before yeah. everything and well that was a great <laughs> answer because i feel like you know when i was a kid i followed taylor when she was just you know with her guitar and her audience was like a hundred people and then seeing her progress as an artist exploring different avenues exploring you know different interests as well like in terms of genres and people she collaborates with and all those things i think she's grown so beautifully and i think very even for people who aren't fans i think you know everybody could agree that she's grown a lot and she's really experimented and she's in like a totally different place from when she first started in the industry and that takes us back to you know how we can also learn from her as you know with our <laughs> very very different career and um, you know we're not artists or anything but i think all of us here are creatives in our own ways and it's important to always be I experimenting <laughs> and exploring things and follows an artist yeah, we're, we're all artists here i mean we're artists that is true we are artists but i mean right now our focus is slightly different you know yeah. we're, we're more like supporters and that's also equally important role like the in music industry needs people who love themselves and people who you know want to support people and, yeah. and love them as well like we need a lot of love in this industry because it's super tough so i guess just to wrap up this conversation do you have any tips or advice or anything you you want to say to our listeners yeah i mean if this listener is <laughs> taylor swift i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift listened to our podcast. What oh if my we God. call Taylor up? Uh, no. <laughs> But if it's um, anyone who comes from a minority, especially women from an underrepresented community or country who's really trying to follow their dreams and are not sure how to and have doubts, my only, my only tip would be just to follow your gut instinct and believe in it and believe in yourself. I know it's, it's super cliche to say, but really 
whatever your gut instinct feels like, go with it. And yeah, be discerning with the decisions you make and always relate them to your end goal. What do you really want to do at the end? Where do you see yourself? And keep that vision up and never give up on it and trust your gut feeling. I would just add to that because I know you not mention it, but I know you have it like really in the in your mind is like get some inspiration from other people. Yeah. But not comparing to other women, you know, yeah, and, and I yeah. And I know you resonate a lot with that. So finding inspiration and finding new ways to reinvent yourself by educating yourself, mm -hmm. but building your own voice and finding your own voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so on point, Val, what, I, what you just said. Because that's what I've been doing my whole life is finding inspiration yeah. through my favorite artists mm -hmm. who have inspired me thoroughly throughout my life, whether they have inspired me on a professional or personal or at any level, really. Um, so finding inspiration in anything and, and, and taking little bits of that and ingraining them in your lifestyle and in your style And in your, you know, your goals is, is super important. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, Miriam won't brag about it, but I'm sure she was one of the best ADR students because you're very <laughs> skilled in that area, you know, like, and it's just because of that, you know, like finding inspiration, researching on an artist and being open to learning always something new from yeah. any type of artist, whether they're emerging small or like, um, you know, like um, mainstream, there's always something new that a mainstream would Loki final TikTok and be like, hmm, I can also do this, you know? Awesome. And and there's nothing wrong. It's like still like a creative, you know? Like and, exactly. and, and that's the approach that we I think we should keep in mind. And twist it the way you want. Yeah. But always stay inspired. Yeah, stay inspired, stay open and especially with A and R, there's there might be cases where you you have a brief that you don't really know the genre. Like you have to start so you have to look for artists in in this genre that you've never listened to before or you're not familiar with and you don't have a reference and i think it's it's super key to always be open to learning to asking like tough questions and just you know be humble about the fact that you don't know everything that there is to this industry i can't possibly have listened to all the music there is in the world and you know just own and up it's to okay that. yeah <laughs> it's okay like if If I listen to that much music, I think I would be overwhelmed. So I'm actually quite selective with the types of music I listen to, even as I'm, you know, moving towards being an A&R. They say that you have to listen to everything. That is true, but also have your taste. Well, thank you so much for being our special guest today. We are so happy to have you also as a professional, but also as a close friend here and all these years at Berkeley that we had. So thank you so much. It was so nice. You guys stay tuned for next week's episode and well, see you soon. Yeah, thank you very much for having me too.